0: Good morning. Uh, welcome, everyone, to our April 12th edition of the Ag Market Network Monthly Cotton Teleconference. We want to th- first thank our sponsor that makes this possible, Bayer, Bayer Crop Science. We appreciate what they've always done for us. Uh, we uh, are going to be led today by Dr. John Robinson. Uh, he'll lead our discussion and be joined by Gerald Nieper and Kip Butts and later we think, uh Dr. O.A. Cleveland. We, we want to remind our listeners that the opinions of our uh, on our program uh, expressed today are the opinion of our speakers, not necessarily the opinion of our sponsors or the, or the Ag Market Network. So let's get started. John, thanks for leading us today.
1: Well, you're welcome, and good morning to everybody. So to begin with, let me summarize the WASDI numbers that we got from USDA yesterday. Um, from the world standpoint, um I would describe the uh, the WASI numbers as sort of a, m- a modest adjustment, um, driven mainly by uh, by increases in uh, projected world production in a few places, uh, particularly uh, China. We saw a month-over-month increase of a quarter of a million bales. Brazil we saw 200,000 higher, and a few other places, Central Asia and the EU and West Africa, had smaller upward adjustments, and all of that was Partially offset by a hundred thousand bale decrease in projected Australian production. So those 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 uh, production uh, tinkering's were the main the main drivers of the change in in world or at least in foreign numbers. Um, world consumption was uh, increased slightly uh, month over month, and that included some few increases in uh, Indonesia, Pakistan, Thailand with Central Asia, and that was also offset. So I had some reductions in Bangladesh and uh, the EU, I believe. Uh, The trade categories uh, showed a 150,000 bail uh, change, um, which included basically adjustments in some exporting countries, including the U.S., which I'll talk about in a second. Uh, I think there was a small adjustment in the loss uh, fudge factor category. Anyway, the bottom line was an increase in uh, world ending stocks month over month of 430,000 bales. Which again, I you know, in the great scheme of things, I would describe that as sort of a neutral report, kind of a very modest um, change. And it it kind of belies the fact that uh, the foreign stocks went up 1.2 million, a little bit bigger, but still not not uh, a dramatic change, but More substantial, but that was offset by the tightening in the U.S., which I'll talk about now. Um, So the U.S. numbers, the adjustment was fairly straightforward. It was one large adjustment in the export category, somewhat expected, but perhaps not all all this all at once. Um, But U.S. exports were raised eight hundred thousand bales. It was uh, attributed to the strong pace of export sales during the month of March, which is no surprise. Uh, there weren't any other adjustments to U.S. carry-in, U.S. production, U.S. mill use, or the U.S. loss category. So the bottom, they went straight to the bottom line. Um, 800,000 more bales of exports resulted in 800,000 uh, fewer bales of projected ending stocks. So ending stocks went from 4.5 million to 3.7. And ordinarily... I would expect a, a positive price response from such a thing. We didn't see that in the market yesterday, so I'd have to conclude that the market had already uh, was already expecting this, had already anticipated it. Probably back in March when we had the higher prices and the strong export sales, they, they saw this coming, or expected this to come anyway. Um, so there's a lot. I was thinking about how to reflect on this. There's a lot that could be said about this export adjustment. Um, as I already mentioned, it's somewhat anticipated, and I might even say prophesied, might have been pul- pounding the pulpit prophesied by uh, analysts, including members of this panel. We uh, expected it to come, and here it is, and one great big lump. It's, uh, just to put it in perspective, it's, it's for a consumption adjustment, it's a pretty large uh, month-over-month change. It's a historically high. Level of exports, I think it was like the fourth highest in absolute terms. It represents a very high market share of of world exports. So all that's notable, but how I would size it up, though, is in terms of relevance, is that, um, well, I'd kind of call it mostly water under the bridge in the sense that the old crop market apparently had already anticipated this, and the main relevance of this export adjustment or at least what I'm kind of going off on, is how it affects the new crop carry and the new crop supply question. Uh, so that's what I'm going to turn to um, and talk about the new crop implications. Um, you know, we had been with the acreage report that came out at the end of March. I was getting ready to kind of give a more dramatically bearish, uh, not bearish, but talk about the downside price risk from the standpoint of having whole lot more supply you know we've got got a large relatively large for the for recent years planted acreage coming twelve point two million if you just take that and apply USDA's assumptions about average yield that they put out in their outlook forum and I think that was 816 pounds per acre their average yield number and their average abandonment of 13 percent you apply that towards this planted acres you come up with an eighteen million bale crop average yields resulting in an eighteen million bale crop larger than the crop that we had for this or for the sixteen uh, which had very 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 strong yields to to result in that here we have average yields coming up with a larger sized crop well if you took that eighteen million and, and had 4.5 carried in from last year, we'd we'd have a really, really strong um, supply situation that would uh, create more downside price risk than than we have now, whacking 800,000 bales out of that equation. It kind of takes the edge off um, what I was mulling over in terms of downside price risk. Nevertheless, if we just take take these numbers now as we have them with 3.7 coming in, and and eighteen of expected production. And I you know, let me put that in perspective. I I think that's I would call that a conservative estimate of new crop production. Um from the standpoint of that's all gonna well, there's time to adjust the planted number but I'll just <laughs> go with it. If we if we if we plant twelve point two, the pace of planting so far seems to be right on pace and Texas planting anyway is. Um, that 22% uh, more Texas planted acres is going into pretty decent moisture conditions as of right now. Uh, what NAS is reflecting in terms of surface moisture and subsoil moisture by by district right now looks pretty good. Most of it is in, uh, in adequate moisture conditions. The long-range weather forecast suggests Well, warmer than normal, but normal precipitation in a few spots above normal precipitation for the early into the early summer, and then we've got this El Nino forecast, which um, I I believe I've read, you know, could be as early as August kicking in, and above average rains in August can produce more bales as we've seen in previous years. You know, in in dryland West Texas, it can make a difference and and increase uh, production potential. So I think it's, uh, you know, 18 million um, expectation of new crop production is, um, that's my conservative number. Um, And so if we have that, we have the smaller carry-in right now, 3.7, that gives us a 21.7 million bale supply, which is 700,000 more than for the 16 crop. Um, I would expect, same amount of domestic or at least i hope we have the same amount of domestic meal use so the real question in my mind is what do we what do we assume about new crop exports and you know our view is colored i think somewhat by this outstanding um experience we've had with exports here for the 16 crop we've had and you know, we've had a expansion of the of Export demand. We've been selling more since since the second half of 2016. We've been selling more stuff at higher prices. It's clearly it's been expanded. We have a greater market share than we've had before. But the question is, how much of that is related to the the widespread good quality of the 16 crop? And will will that outlive? Will that effect um, outlive the 16 crop? Will it will it carry over, or will market share? Return to more normal levels, lower levels, um, if uh, the quality of the 17 crop is just an average U.S. quality, not, not quite so widespread, um, good color grades, and just good everything that what we saw. Well, how will that affect? Um, how will that affect the exports for the 14 crop? That's that's a question in my mind. We're in a situation where we'll we'll likely have more production and i'm I can only assume that we'll have average u s quality, and does that mean that we're gonna have more you know a half million more exportable surpluses that need to be moved but only at a lower price, or does that go to the bottom line and we have higher ending stocks um, which would imply a little a little bit of more fundamental weakness you know at the moment if we just if I assume the same amount of exports fourteen million um and 3.4 for domestic use, we'd come out with like 4.3 million of ending stocks, which is about a little over. It's 600,000 bales more than for the 16-17 ending stocks. I'd kind of call that a neutral um, a neutral outcome, and that would lead me to expect basically a similar futures price range to what we see now. I would expect more of the same. I would expect new crop futures to be from the mid to upper seventies to the mid to lower sixties if if it was to work out um, if it was to work out that way but again that that export new crop export question is a is a real issue in my mind um i'm and I'm not sure how to size it up yet and I'll wind up by um by just tossing out a couple of risks that are there. that new crop export situation one is what if we produce an above average crop and we have an extra million million and a half bales that we need to move Uh, the second is what if we have less than average quality for the 17 crop i don't want that to happen but what if this el nino moisture kicks in the fall and we have one of those wet sloppy harvest seasons we've seen that before we have you know, a shortage of good color grades and, you know, high leaf and high bark and things like that. And the third risk would be what if we have some kind of a trade spat with uh, somebody like China or Mexico, um, which would presumably cause us to lose market share to some of our competitors. And those things, I don't know how to size those up, but they're just out there. So i just toss them out. Um, Pat, that... Uh, that's a bit rambling, but that's uh, that's my assessment of the report and its implications for the for the new crop market, so I'll hand it
0: off to you. Okay, well, I'll just open it up for everybody to give their comments, if they've got any uh, on the report. Well, I'm, I'm, I think you that... You uh, know,
2: uh, I, I would like to... This is Gerald. Mm-hmm. I'd like to say that, uh, you know, I think... Um, yeah the market was expecting it and i'd like to think in no no small part to to us i mean i think uh... especially OA has been pounding on the on the export thing for quite a while Um and and we've made it we, we've made we've made it a major topic of con uh... discussion at, at every uh, uh... uh... monthly meeting that we've had and uh... A broadcast that we've had and so i think uh... yeah i do think that it was expected it's still astounding, though, when you sit there and you look at just a relatively, you know, light price response to a, you know, this eighth year in a row we're going to be below four million bales in in, in ending stocks, <clears throat> and um, um, I suppose if uh, OA was here, you might even argue that you know exports should be even higher uh, right now, which you know could actually put you under three million bales in ending stocks. So I don't know that that this. Uh, uh, that this year is over in terms of upside uh, price potential, which could continue to, to drag new crop up. Um, the uh, I think there's a general feeling that maybe it's over. Um, from a technical perspective, you know, we had a we had a gap in the monthly continuation chart um, that was filled. You know, on March 2nd when we went above <clears throat> 7910 in the May contract, so. Um, You know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, from a technical perspective, we don't have a reason to go higher. But these, you know, you're going to have to ration these stocks somehow, these remaining stocks somehow. uh, And uh, so it's going to be interesting. Sorry, I just sort of rambled myself there, John. (laughs) That's fine. Kip, your thoughts?
3: Uh, No, I thought, uh, first I want to compliment John. I think he did a good job of of recapping... um what was out there in this report uh, there's one thing you didn't bring up that I think is kind of important and that is uh, we saw that we are expecting a large increase in domestic uh, area devoted to cotton. I think we're going to see a similar thing outside the United States uh, and that bo- that's a little bothersome to me uh, because you know the rest of the world is seeing the same kind of prices and the same things that have dominated the uh, the u s farmer mentality for production this coming year. Is being experienced by them so i think we're going to see potentially a little larger increase in area that many may be factoring in right now um i'm reading stories now some people are talking about up to 20 plus percent in india that might be a little on the on the high side but the point is we may wind up with a whole lot more cotton outside the u.s than a lot of people are factoring in now. And the comment that John made regarding the U.S. exports could be uh, somewhat compromised by just the fact that we have a larger supply. It puts the onus then on a larger increase in mill use um, worldwide, which over the past several years, I think, uh, it's been pretty difficult to get the mills to, uh, well, get the world to spend a whole lot more cotton. Part of it's competitive fibers, and part of it's just the way the economy is around. But it uh, puts a lot of onus on the, on the usage, which has been, in relative terms, flat for several years now. So that's one thing I would point out that is a little bit, I won't call it quote bearish, but it certainly does uh, put a cap on thoughts that we're going to have um, pretty good prices for the coming year if all that comes to fruition
0: what are anybody have any uh, anticipation of the export sales tomorrow? do you think we'll continue to have a good good numbers or or uh, Gerald what are you thinking?
2: I don't know why you would see you know anything less than two hundred thousand bales and sales again um the um, you know it's it's although when prices start backing down the way they did that last week, you know sometimes mills go, uh oh, I better, you know, I better stand aside and see what's going to happen. You know, ironically they'll they'll buy then when prices start going back up. Um, but uh, I I, th- I think they'll continue to be good because you know inquiries have not really slowed down. It you know every night you know people are looking for cotton, and uh, you know the price might not work for them, but they're. Just the fact that they're looking, you know, um, just uh, not slowing down much right now. Oh, okay. Uh, the
0: uh, there's the, the, something I want to bring up. Again, we, for so long, we talked about how long the speculators were in the market, and we've seen a what appears to be a pretty big drop now in open interest. Uh, as of I guess day before yesterday, two hundred fifty-two thousand and ninety-nine contracts. In cotton, and I think it had gotten to 288 thousand a couple of months ago. Any feeling on that? Do you think we've maybe gotten to the point where we're not so heavy from speculators along the market?
3: And just looking at those numbers, you're right. We've seen a pretty big drop in the in the spec position, but it's still, in historic terms, we're still very, very large. And that's something we need to keep in perspective and in relative terms. It's still. Uh, The spec community is still very long. It's just not nearly as long as they they were. Uh, I expect to see them, quite honestly, uh, trim that position back a little bit more. We may be seeing a bit of a distortion in that uh, short term just because of the index rolls, which has increased the volume here the last several days, and also we've seen pretty big drops and in open interest on that. I don't know if we'll get some of that back. Historically, we don't get all of it back by a long shot, but that may be part of the short-term, uh, some people's short-term thinking.
0: Okay. Well, you know, and we we always comment on this. Let's go ahead and comment. What, what are we, for farmers out there that are asking well, what should I be doing? I think OA at our last uh, monthly call had mentioned 60% of new crop uh, priced or hedged. Is that sound about right? Should should they be higher than that or what what are your thoughts on that? Anyone?
4: Since always listening now.
0: No, uh, good. Well then you're the you're the horse's mouth we want to go. Through. Yeah, we well you know, I, I am We were having I, a good I, meeting. <laughs> yeah, y'all are, but were a belly doing time.
4: Uh, I'm maybe the one that's riding backwards, but uh I'm ready to go above sixty percent, going up at least seventy five percent. Uh, if not there already, I was looking at some numbers for talk I've got to give here in a few minutes, and the price variability from high to low, just going back to the to, to the 2000s, the early 2000s, and we could have gone back further, is anywhere from a, a low of around 20 cents from high to low during the marketing season, up to uh, 60, 70 cents in a couple of those years. To date, we have gone through about 16 cents. Uh, so if we're going to anywhere near catch up with uh, with the historical perspective there, we've got at least another nickel uh, to the downside of, uh, to, uh, uh, excuse me, another nickel below our uh, current seasonal low, which is around 59.7 cents in futures. Jerry, you may need to correct me, Uh, it may be .7 or .5, but in other words, if we are going to have a 20-cent range this year, this market's got to go, December's got to go down around 55 cents, and if we're going to have a 25-cent range, which would be extremely typical, expected, then December's got to drop down to near 50, 51 cents, so I would want to be fairly aggressive, the one thing that we are seeing, uh, outstanding export sales. The market will continue to need cotton through uh, through the 2017-18 season, but we'll end the 15-16 season with something around 2 million bale carryover in sales, so uh, we're off to a great start already, but that's where o. A., I'm coming
0: you, up. O.A., do you think old crop has seen the high, or do you think that we can move up and retest those highs?
4: I don't think we will test the highs. I think we will move up back and forth, but we'll get back up into the, oh, I don't know, 77, 77.5 cents is not done, in my opinion, in July, but I don't see a 78, in July.
0: Okay. A- anything else, O.A., you're thinking that that uh, is noteworthy?
4: Well, I just, y'all probably mentioned it. The fixations are still out there, but they've been coming Hot and heavy with this market coming down, still a few rolling into July as opposed to just going ahead uh, pricing out entirely. So we'll still have a fair amount of July fixations, but not like what we've had on a ratio basis to, to, to on call purchases. Uh, uh, I think demand is holding up very well. I've got a little bit concerned from what I'm picking up about yarn stocks are really building up in uh, India and Pakistan.
3: I am actually hearing uh, to follow up on that. O.A., I heard uh, just this—I guess it was yesterday—that uh, uh, some of these Indian mills are trying to get together and actually cut production for that very reason. The stocks are up, and the prices are are starting to reflect that. So they're trying to uh, get together and try to cut back production, hopefully to to support those prices. So I share your concern that at least in the you know for short term we might see a, a bit of. A bit of a respite in this strong
4: demand s- s- until we can work off those yarn stocks. Yep. Yeah, you know, a lot was made in the news about Ralph Lauren closing its uh, its flagship store in New York City, but it still has five more. And uh, what uh, what they don't sell, Amazon will sell for. So <laughs> I don't think that's a big deal. It, it's just changing the structure right. where you and I buy our clothes.
0: All right. Any any other thoughts, John? Anything? Yeah, you're I, I just I would just I would just point
1: out, and uh, you know, I agree with what O A is talking about with with downside price risk. Um, you know, I think people can can kind of look at what we're set up for and and uh, kind of expect the, the seasonality of some of this upside and downside risk. You know, we're putting a whole bunch of seed in the ground. And then we're set up for a weather market. At that point, the market, I believe, will be hanging on every crop condition report and every rain event and everything else from now till August, trying to gauge the, the yield potential and the abandonment of, of what's there. And so there can be swings high and low, just you know, based on that expectation and until we have firmer data. Um, and then I would, as as the risk premium goes out of that. As the weather premium fades, and we have a benchmark of what we think we have in August and September, and then into the fall, uh, you know, then I expect seasonal price weakness um, to set in, and it could be, you know, we heck, we've had futures over 70 for a long time. We haven't really thought about the possibility of those lower prices, but it's a very real possibility. As Owe was just saying, and it could it could very well happen, particularly if we have. Good growing conditions and then late late summer rains and increases the yield potential and all that kind of stuff so the the, the risk is there
2: I'll just say and and you know from a perspective of okay, you know new crop right now seventy three twenty or something and and you know that certainly doesn't sound as uh, as sexy as when we were you know sitting somewhere close to seventy six cents but I mean. Realistically, if if you priced here and the market went down, you've only missed a high by three cents. I mean, that's a pretty small <laughs> that's a pretty small error. Instead of sitting there going, "Well, I'm just going to wait for this thing to go back up again," you know, because it may not. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. You know, thank you, and John. Good point you made, Gerald. Uh, with these plantings that are going to come, and where they can still be a little bit higher than the USDA estimate. Uh, So I suspect they'll be pretty close. Uh, The only thing that's going to take this market back up is weather. Uh, There will be a lot of tendency or is a lot of pressure on this crop to show that it can come out and produce and get off to a good start and be a big crop because carryover stocks are down. But uh, one has to think the propensity of the crop size is certainly uh, there, it's large. Uh, there's a great subsoil moisture. We're in our spring rain period, and we're getting the spring rain most locations. So uh, we're we're off to a great start. Uh, so just have to think in terms of lower prices.
2: You know, it's, it's uh, you talk about variability. away you know, in 2015 crop year, world yields were down nine percent. Year over year, which was the largest year over year decline. Well, you know, you know, going back to 1960. Now you follow that up in 2016. World yields are up 14 percent. That's the second largest increase in that time period. So, I mean, you talk about weather having an impact on uh, on you know potential uh, production. It's 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 astounding, really. Um, the The swing that we've seen in in world yields the last two years
3: well weather's a lot of that, but we we have to give some credit to some of the seed technology I think that's made a difference and made in some places in some situations uh the weather less a factor than it was several years ago the the seed technology in in many ways has, has gone all over the world uh and it's permeated all over the place, and I think that is going to help whether it's this year or next year. Weather can impact it badly, droughts and so on, but these seeds have, uh, uh, I think, made a difference in the yield on balance as far as the world, yield, uh, world is concerned. So I'm not saying we'll never have a low yielding. That's not my point, but I think we can... Give some thought to there's there's a higher bar there now simply because of that technology. Great
2: point. So you're just saying you know under normal weather conditions we're going to experience you know um, over time like we've always done is just a gradual increase in in average world yields.
3: Right. Although those may be a little bit stronger simply because uh, the impact of a a good weather uh, year. Results in a larger yield than it would have several years ago. I think that technology has allowed that boost to be a little bit more dramatic.
1: Well, I'm thinking back to like I'm thinking back to '06. There was one year where the middle of the summer turned really dry, and and we all started getting a little pessimistic about yield potential. And it didn't. You know, we came out with fairly decent yields. I mean, it's not as bad. We've had to adjust our. I've had to adjust my expectations higher about what what uh, hot and dry conditions will or won't do. Anymore because the varieties are are better.
0: Any other comments before we kind of go around and get everybody's projections on prices, John? You still there? Can you give us yeah. what you're thinking for old crop and new crop?
1: You, you know, well, um, I'm I'm still thinking that there's that possibility of fixations on on at least on July now that. that might have some fireworks and push push it back to the upper 77, 78 or so, 78, 79 maybe. Um, I think uh, I think December. I, I think I've been saying 78 on the high and 63 on the low, and I would basically I'm not changing from that position. Mid to upper 70s, mid to lower 60s. I think is the is my expected price range for new crop.
0: Okay,
3: uh, Kip, how about you? Well, I um, I think the old crop has a little potential of, uh, although we've still seen some excellent sales, and Gerald made the point earlier, I think there's no real reason to think that we're going to see a dramatic fall off, so that's going to provide underlying support, but I think that the uh, the potential to see a, a new high is probably not there. Maybe we can bounce it to maybe three cents uh, just because markets trade. Um, and a new crop, I think a high we may see you know, prices get near the old highs with some kind of a weather concern, but I'm more inclined to look for lower prices, and my range would be from you know like maybe seventy six seventy seven cents on the high to something under sixty cents uh for December uh, low simply because I think the U.S. crop, we've got, you were talking in terms of 18 million, John, uh, our internal uh, kind of placeholder is 19 and change right now, uh, and I think we're going to see a large, larger increase outside the U.S., so I'm more inclined to look for the potential for prices to actually move under 60 cents. Uh, matter of fact, we're showing a, a farm gate price of barely under 60 cents uh, for the year so that would imply prices could go significantly lower than that uh, to possibly the mid or, or low 50s if we get good growing conditions
0: you said where did you say that last I, one you said low low 50s for december and we
3: could, yes if we get a good growing season yes we can look at prices to be in the mid to low 50s i don't think they stay there very long uh, but we could be in a scenario where if we have a good crop in the U.S. and a good crop outside the U.S., you're literally going to have to take prices down to move all that cotton or move a sizable part of that cotton. should help mill demand quite a lot, but I'm, I'm looking at the potential for a larger surplus than most people are thinking about now if weather conditions cooperate.
0: Okay.
2: Gerald, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I was wondering who turned the lights out, you know, because the, the party's over. The,
3: uh... <laughs> uh, it seems like I'm the bearer of bad news. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, like, oh, I was oh, I've got to offset
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's, uh, um, that's quite a... I, Seems so long ago that the last time we were in f- at, at fifty cents or, or with, uh, prices with the five in it, it really wasn't that long ago. Um, you know what was it? March of last year. Um, so it's only it's only been a little over a year since we've we've seen something in the fifties, and and um, I wouldn't think that there's a reason why we we can't go back there. I mean, there's there's no law that says that we have to stay up here in the seventies, but uh, um I'm I'm a I'm not quite that uh, that negative. Um the uh just because we've seen all this variability in 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 weather and and stuff and as always says, you know, what's going to drive this market higher or at least keep it from dropping, you know, really low is uh our, uh... is, is going to be weather events and so um um I am I'm, I'm more in line with with John the uh thinking that uh you know december may have another shot at uh, might have another shot at 78 cents probably not i mean if we can get back up to 76 cents um before before we get into the uh, uh the middle of the summertime i would be uh, you know it, it, i'd be happy to, to see that but once you get into the crop year and the harvest pressure and blah, 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 yeah, you know, 76 cents, you know, we may go down to 60 to 61 cents. I think, uh, um, once we get into, uh, into the fall, uh, assuming fairly normal conditions, um, and, and, a fairly decent sized U.S. crop. Um, I, th- I think the, uh, I think mills around the world, whether it's the, the, relative contamination free cotton of the United States uh fairly timely deliveries um you know you don't have uh the things going on I just think people the, the, their appetites are for US cotton generally speaking in these textile mills and uh um so I I I think we'll continue to to maintain market share if if not expand it and uh so I, I'm, not, I'm not it's hard to get terribly bearish unless we just have a monster monster crop uh, coming down the road so pencil me in for 76 to, to 60 cents for the for the foreseeable future okay oa uh, let's see gerald is that
4: 76 cents on december yes okay i just wasn't sure uh oa here let's see well what does he say i, I think it's just uh unfortunately. Nothing is guaranteed, but I think December's got 55 cents written all over it. Just hope we can hold it above that. It's going to take some hope. My comments are based totally on a normal growing season, uh, whatever that is. Uh, We will have problems somewhere, somehow, but we also could have some uh, great finishes. Uh, That's not unusual either. So I just think, given the acreage that's out there, uh And given the historical volatility that we see in in cotton i I think we've got to break the fifty nine cent area and take it at least a nickel below that or the, which is basically fifty five cents uh i <clears throat> we could see here in the next couple of months something that could give us a december back up to seventy four seventy five cents and if you want me to say seventy six not that you asked me to. Uh, maybe seventy six cents, but I don't see that at all. I wouldn't expect to see anything more than seventy four and a half on the top side. Uh, and uh, Gerald, thank you for reading my newsletter. As I said last week, that uh, with apologies to Willie Nelson and Don Meredith, that the party's <laughs> over. Uh, I did say, best don't cut out the lights yet, because we've still got some huge exports coming, and we've got to have a weather. But I'm I'm bearish the uh, new crop. Well, I'm glad there are any, two of
3: us
0: now. Any other comments? <laughs> all right. Well, let's, let's wrap up our meeting. Thank, thanks to our uh, sponsor, Bayer Crop Science. Uh, thank you to all our speakers and to John for leading us today. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today for the Ag Market Network.
4: Thank you. all.
0: Right. Thank you for having
4: us. Thank you, John. bye
0: Bye-bye.
4: Bye-bye.